Welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Joel Friedland. Joel knew he was an entrepreneur from a very young age. At 14 years old, he started a landscaping business and hired dozens of kids in his hometown to mow lawn and also to do yard work. Uh, later on, he attended the San Diego State University, where he started another landscaping business. After college, he went to work for family real estate business in Chicago, where he learned all about real estate and specifically industrial brokerage. Uh, he later started his own brokerage business. But now, eventually, and today, what he's doing, he sold that uh, brokerage business and is focused on managing his portfolio of 16 industrial uh, and mostly occupied manufacturers. Uh, uh, these industrial spaces are mostly occupied by manufacturers. And, he, and he's also growing his investor base. He currently has over like 200 investors that are working with him in investing in these industrial uh, building. Joel, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Eric. Nice to see you. So I hope I didn't, uh, yeah, I kind of screwed up a little bit, but uh, I think it's going to be fine. So tell us more about, uh, you can correct me uh, on what I, what I said there, but uh, tell us more about about you, about your your business, why you got started. I mean, we know a little bit about why you got started in, in industrial space, but why you, did you stay with industrial brokerage and build your own portfolio? So... I got into industrial uh, real estate by accident. I graduated from um, college. I went to San Diego State for two years mm -hmm. and had such a good time, I forgot to go to class. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I transferred to the University of Michigan, where it's a wonderful school, but cold and gloomy all winter long. And I graduated from Michigan. And a friend of mine from Michigan um, knew I wanted to go into real estate, that I had been an entrepreneur and that I was pretty good at sales. Because I could go door to door in a neighborhood and tell people I wanted to cut their lawn and get invited into their house. And chances yeah. were pretty good that if I went to five places, I'd get four customers, wow. which is, that's just sales. That's it. That's and a so good he said, hey, you, you need to get into real estate. And I know this guy. I met him at a resort in a whirlpool, uh, in a jacuzzi. <laughs> And he's a Chicago guy and he owns an industrial real estate company with his family. It's his, this, this older guy and his three adult children. So I called the guy and I'm pretty good at calling. And I, I called him up and I said, uh, hi, uh, Milt. My name's Joel. You don't know me. I want to get into real estate. I'd like to talk to you right away. If you've got empty buildings, I can fill them up. And he said, why don't you come over this afternoon? And I went there. And I got hired the same day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I didn't know this, but he already knew who I was because apparently I was cutting some lawns of people that he knew. <laughs> and they oh, said man. he checked me out and they said, if you've got empty buildings, hire this kid. He'll go door to door and fill up the vacancies by talking to the neighbors. Wow. And that's, that's exactly what I did. Wow. Uh, I've been thrown out of more places than you can imagine. <laughs> But in my first year, I did 37 leases and I had never done real estate before. Wow. And I loved it. And I love this family. Milt and his three kids were fantastic. And I got trained. I got mentorship, which is really what our business is all about. It's all about mentorship. Yeah. Someone takes you under their wing. You can become a millionaire. Yeah. 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 Unless, unless you're lazy or have no talent. <laughs> and then you wash out. <laughs> 
So, and then after that, so um, you decided to go on your own, like uh, all good uh, mentees. Uh, you decided that that was enough. And then uh, and then you did this pretty much the same thing, industrial brokerage, right? Right. So while I was with Milton, his family, um, they owned 84 buildings that were worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And I saw that brokerage was a nice business, but that the ownership business made multimillionaires. Yeah. Which is what the family was that I worked for. And I said, I went to Milton. I said, I want to start buying and developing properties. And he said, damn, I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> so he was my first investor. Oh, really? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And he brought me a group of other investors because he was a syndicator and I'm still with that family. They still invest with me. Mm -hmm. And this is 40 years later. Wow. Because what I do is I build relationships and I keep them. Yeah. Yeah. And a number of his investors are also still with me. And when I say a number, I mean dozens. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very close with all of them. And the key to this business is building relationships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It's all about the people um, and then the trust and all of that. And yeah, and that's what it's something that I like about the real estate, you know, uh, real estate investors or real estate investing in general is that, yeah. And, and also it goes into across different spaces. I mean, I'm talking to people that do self storage. Now I'm talking to you about industrial space and all of that. And all of that stick, you, you know, eventually we might, I might talk to somebody or I might be interested in, or I might see an opportunity in, in this industrial building. I don't know what to do with it. Who am I going to call? Well, I know I'm going to call Joel. Joel knows how to do that. And then we'll, uh, you know, and this is kind of, this is how it works. This is the kind of business that uh, it's not really about competition. There's a lot more collaboration than competition. That's what I'm seeing. Right, exactly. In Chicago, so there's a national organ, international organization called the Society of Industrial and Office Realtors. And I'm going to grab something here. This yeah. is this is the membership book. Wow. 20 from 2012. <laughs> I just grabbed it off the shelf. <laughs> this is a book. Look how thick this thing is. Yeah. These are these are the top, I'd say, five thousand brokers who do industrial and office leasing and sales around the world. To join this organization, you have to have been in the business for five years. Nobody's in this group that's not a multimillionaire. Everybody is. The young people are millionaires, but they're not as wealthy as the older ones. Yeah, yeah. And we all we all get to know each other. In Chicago, there's 300 industrial brokers. I know virtually all of them, and they all know me. And the way we make deals is exactly what you said. Uh, we cooperate. We're competitors, but if I have a tenant... And there's some broker who's got a building and I want to buy that building. Mm -hmm. I have to have a great relationship with the broker. I have yeah. to be able to call him and say, Hey, Rick, I need to see that building. I'm bringing a tenant. I'd like to buy it and lease it to this guy. Yeah. And Rick will say, Hey, what time? And by the way, how's Stacy? And my answer is great. How's Donna? Heard yeah. you just became a grandfather. Yeah. It, it's that type of um, relationship building. Yeah. that creates success in this business. Yeah, that sounds good. So tell us a little bit about kind of like a, a typical deal. Like, you know, how do you identify these uh, these industrial properties? Do you pick a market first or do you focus more on the building? Or, or the, So tell us more about that, kind of like that that first initiation on acquisition or identifying the an opportunity. We go door to door to industrial companies and walk in 
and ask for the manager if it's a national company or the owner if it's a local company. And these are almost all manufacturers. Yeah. So the, the average building size that we buy is 30,000 square feet, uh, freestanding, usually one tenant. And our favorite thing to do is to walk in and say, hey, would you like to sell this building and lease it back? And of the 100 buildings that we've bought, uh, 95 of them have been acquired through door-to-door or phone canvassing. Really? Wow. Yep, yep. We have people who do that all day. And I still do it, and I've been in the business for 40 years. So that is very interesting because you're basically, it's like you're going to somebody's house and say, can I buy you a house? And then and you, and you can lease it back from me. And uh, it's like now you're going, okay, you have this building, you own it and stuff like that. How about we, you know, we buy the building and then you uh, you lease it back from us. You have the tenant, you have the, the tenant and the uh, the building all in one package. You're just kind of like changing the relation, the ownership basically. And um, I think, uh, so why would, uh, why would the, the company be willing to do something like this? Okay, so there are, um 8000 freestanding industrial buildings in Chicago there's 1.3 billion square feet it's a vast market wow. biggest concise closed market there is in the country the new york tri-state area has a big market the los angeles area including the inland empire big market dallas there's some big ones but chicago sort of packed into a much smaller area mm-hmm. are 20000 industrial companies Wow. Every one of them needs cash. They're all cash constrained, even yeah. the big ones. They all that's why they borrow money from banks. That's why they go public. They have everybody needs money. Mm-hmm. So if a company is somewhat struggling, let's say they're they're a $10 million business, and let's say they this, this is crazy. I don't know if you know this. Most major restaurants don't own their kitchen knives, they rent them. And there's a company here. The, kni- the knives, or you're just knives. as a metaphor for something. Okay, well, no, really? the knives. So, <laughs> in an industrial building, there's a company that actually has knife sharpeners in the back, and they have all kinds of kitchen knives, and they have drivers, and the drivers put together a package for each restaurant, and every week they go trade the box of sharp knives for the dull knives. They bring oh, the dull yeah. knives back and you got these 60 guys in the back going, you know, <laughs> and, it's, and they're sharpening knives. Yeah. So this is an industrial building. The, the company does not own the building. They don't want to own it. Yeah. Hardly any of these, these uh, corporate uh, occupied facilities are yeah. owned by the companies because they can make much more money doing their business than they can owning real estate. Because the return on real estate is between let's say that the cash flow is between five and 8%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to try to make 30% on the same dollar. Yeah, They can do that in their business. They can't do that in real estate. Mm-hmm. So very often what they do is they want to liquidate the ownership of the building and take that money and use it to either pay down a loan at the bank or to grow the business. Yeah. So when we walk in, they're hungry for it. Mm-hmm. I, I had a meeting with a guy yesterday and I said, I'd like to buy your building. And he said, well, we only want to lease it back for about a year. This is a 32,000 square foot building built in 1960 by his father. Wow. And 
he said, get me an offer as soon as you can. I'm ready. So whether it's someone ma- doing, he, he makes batteries. Mm-hmm. So in the back, you got all these people working at tables, putting batteries together. Wow. And the knife sharpener guy is a different guy. And then we had a company that was on Shark Tank season one in one of our yeah. buildings. He makes protein bars. Mm-hmm. He occupies 50,000 feet in one of our buildings. Uh-huh. By the way, he wanted to find a building to buy. Yeah. Alden, but he couldn't find one because it's really hard to find buildings for sale. Yeah. Industrial buildings are like finding a needle in a haystack. And that's why we have to literally stop in at a hundred properties to find one person who says yes. Oh, really? So that's, this is kind of like the, the closing rate for these, uh, for these uh, calls when you're calling these uh, manufacturing companies. It's, it's, 1%. It's, it's terrible. And, oh. and of that 1%, usually we need five of those to get one deal. So that means 500 cold calls to find a deal. Wow. Yeah. So how many properties do you buy like a year? I know you have like, I think you have a, at least 16 right now, industrial properties. So how long does it, does it take to, to build uh, a portfolio like that? Our average is about three to five buildings a year. Some okay. years it's zero. Some years, one year we bought 17 buildings. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's big. The worst year was 2007 and 2008 because mm-hmm. the market was doing great. Yeah. We bought 11 buildings between 2007 and 2008. And that was a mistake because in 2008, late 2008, early 2009, mm-hmm. they were worth about half as much as they were the uh, day we bought them. Wow. That was like living in hell. Yeah. So you got to be careful. Yeah. Really careful. So let's say that, uh, so now you have identified the property, you have a buyer there that says, yeah, I'm interested in, you know, selling the property and leasing it back. Um, so, so how does, how do you structure the deal so that it makes sense for you and it makes sense for them also? Like what are some of the key kind of like metrics that you have to look for to put the deal together? Okay. First of all, I lead with curiosity and curiosity solves all problems because if you can put on the table what the issue is yeah then you can solve someone's problem if you come in and you make an assumption you're going to miss yeah so my curiosity starts with why are you selling the building what do you need and usually it's uh an answer like well we're thinking of relocating in three years so we're going to sell it anyway within the next three years if you'll buy it it takes the risk off the table when we want to move in three years. So how about if we lease it back for three years? Okay. And there's risk there because there's a vacancy possibility at the end of that three years. Yeah. But if I listen to what they want, generally speaking, I can give them what they want. The the biggest magnet manufacturer, magnets go into everything. They go into cars, airplanes, computers. So we had a company called Dexter Magnetic and it was owned by a private equity group who bought it from the original founder. Yeah. The founder owned the building. So he wanted to cash out. So we bought the building and Dexter said, we'd like a 15-year lease back. We never want to move. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah. That was great. So, and every year the rent goes up. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's, it's a really hard business. Commercial lease, right? You, back, you, you put in the contract all the increases and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we have a standard lease. It's seven pages. Most people have a 30-page lease. We keep it yeah. simple. Yeah. Yeah. 
So are these leads back? Are they triple, typically like triple net? So the uh, the the leasee or is is responsible for everything for all the maintenance and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, freestanding buildings are great. They okay. cut their own lawn, they plow their own snow, they fix their heaters. I yeah. get a call like uh, some some administrative person calls from a building and says, "Are you you know you're our landlord? You're the management company. We've got a problem. Our toilet stopped up." Yeah, and I say. Let me give you the name of the plumber. And, and then they call the plumber. What? Yeah, you deal. There, there's no, the, the management of net leased industrial buildings uh, is accounting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for those people, for the listeners who don't know what triple net is, I mean, you're basically leasing the property to uh, the, the, the tenant, the industrial tenant, and then they're responsible for everything, like uh, fixing the, if there's a problem with the restroom, if there's a problem with the... Uh, you know, with uh, the interior, with stuff like that, sometimes even the driveway is part of that, that kind of stuff, then, you know, they're responsible for fixing it. They don't even call the owner. They basically, they just deal deal with it themselves. There might be some exception with respect to the roofs and uh, stuff like that, but it's, you know, but in general, this is uh, the, the, the content, the HVAC, the, all of that is, uh, is managed and maintained by the tenant. That's right. Net, net, net refers to three things, taxes, insurance, and maintenance. Mm -hmm. And so net, net, net means you pay the taxes, you pay the insurance, and you pay the maintenance. Um, net leasing is a really big thing. Mm -hmm. There's thousands of owners who will only buy a net lease property. Yeah. And one of our differentiators is we'll buy a building and we'll take on the responsibility for the roof repair and replacement or mm. maybe the HVAC. Yeah. If a unit over an office goes bad, we had one a couple of days ago. I got a call from my management people and he said, Hey, the, the roof uh, HVAC unit is bad. We can fix it for five grand or replace it for 35 grand. He said, but it's 25 years old and it's going to conk out. Yeah. I said, just buy a new one. Yeah. And by the way, there's one more thing. I don't know if I told you this, you, you may not remember this, but we only buy properties uh, all cash. We have oh, we, really? don't, we don't do any mortgages wow. anymore. Why is that? You would think well, that leverage would be a good thing. Well, um, our investors are extremely wealthy for the most part, and they don't like risk. Okay. If you take the bank out of the equation, the risk goes down to almost zero because we own long-term and over a long period of time, the values go up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they go down, but that's usually over like a, a recession period, but over a very long period of time, you're, you're probably looking at the weirdest real estate guy ever mm -hmm. because we buy all cash and we keep them forever. Okay. And I like the keeping forever part, but the leverage, I think, would be an important component. It depends on the on the terms also. Like what are some of the can you get like a 30 year uh, term on like fixed rate term on on industrial industrial building? Ten is the max. Ten is the maximum. Yeah. And usually they want five or seven. So this is where the risk component is, is that if you bought something, you know, eight years ago, and now you're going to have to renew in the next couple of years. Like, what do you do? With, is the interest rate going to be at 10% a couple of years from now? Or Right. So that's where the risk is. If you were able to, to do a 30-year term fixed rate and, you know, 
you'd be fine. You would definitely do a leverage. So I think I, I, I got together with a workout guy from a bank. Yeah. We played a little golf and I, I asked him, have you ever um, seen a, a deal that's all cash, no mortgage? He says, yeah. He says, those are the kind I invest in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I said, yeah, me too. Why do you do it? He says, well, as a banker, when I see workout, the real issue is most people who get in trouble with their loans in default don't know it, but they're compulsive gamblers. Oh. <laughs> he says, that's what I see. Yeah. Because what happens is you start out with a, with a deal and you buy it and you leverage it and it feels good when it works and you make all mm -hmm. this money and you say, I can do that again. And I can do, yeah. you're like the, you're like the frog and, and water that's cool and starts getting hotter and hotter and starts boiling yeah eventually you've got lots of risk on the table it's a lot like a craps game where in the beginning you make one bet and then as you keep staying in the game you keep putting more and more chips on the table and then there's something called seven out and that means you lose everything on the table all at once because you have too much out there mm -hmm. you might be done with your gambling career for that day <laughs> yeah. And so I look at I look at it from his standpoint. The higher the debt, the more it's gambling. The lower the debt, the less it is. Mm -hmm. And I look at it this way: if there's zero debt, it's not gambling. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I would say ninety percent of people in real estate think I'm a moron to do that because I can't increase my my returns. I can't yeah. get my IRRs up yeah. because there's no leverage. So. It's, it's an oddball way of doing it, but my investors sleep very well at night. I sleep very well at night. Mm -hmm. And like I said, when there's a $35,000 roof HVAC unit, mm -hmm. if I had a lot of debt in a deal like that, that could be half of my cash flow for a year. Yeah. Instead, I just said to the property manager, manager, just, just go get a new roof unit. And he said, really? I said, yeah, it's 35 grand. Who cares? It's like, it's a $2 million building. We're sitting on 200,000 in reserves. So we'll have 165,000 in reserves and now we'll have a new unit. Mm -hmm. Think how, I said to him, think how comfortable of a position we're in that we don't have to worry about going to a lender to borrow that money or call the investors and say, hey, sorry, we had to buy a an HVAC unit. Yeah. Um, but but again, it, it, it does reduce the returns. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And, and that's a it's a trade-off you know well the thing the thing is that the the term and the amortization are so misaligned when you have like a 10-year term and yeah so as long if they were aligned i think it would be it would still make sense because at least at the renewal you would be paid off so then you don't have a risk the problem is that if you have a 10-year term and then you're amortized over 30 years then at 10 years you still owe a lot of money and if the interest rate is high at that point that's where you're you know it's very you know, you can be in a very tough situation and you may or yeah. It. Yeah. Or if you're in a recession, because yeah. banks close down for a period of time in recessions and they last for usually months and sometimes years where they say our loan to value ratio is going to be a lot lower. So if you have a 70% yeah. loan to value and you're in a bad recession, especially if the building goes vacant, the lender mm -hmm. is going to be reluctant to make any kind of a renewal. Yeah, yeah, and they're going to require personal guarantees. That's right. And right now, I mean, even right now, I mean, we're on the single-family rental space. I mean, we're seeing also like loan-to-value uh, being lowered from eighty to seventy-five percent. But now they have points, and 
you know, this, uh, and then now they want to have like uh, taxes and insurance and escrow up front. And, yes. you know, so they're, they want, they want to make sure they want to protect their, their money, their, uh, their loan. That's for sure. So we, well, we, they, we so have the that. lender, yeah, the lender owns you essentially. Yeah. yeah. You, you have a boss, your yeah. boss is the lender and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 63. I don't need to have a boss who's a lender. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not. Like- tell, tell me a little bit about kind of like what uh, what does a loan uh, like uh, not a loan, but what does an investment look like? So you bought a property. If you have like uh, I don't know what the typical price for uh, for us. Let's take a uh, take a small industrial, the smallest industrial building that you have. So what does that what how does that look like in terms of the financials and all that? Okay, so uh, I'll give you two examples i'll give you one where we're making a lot of money and one where we lost our shirt because we learned lessons from bad deals right um i bought a vacant building where i totally lost we lost our shit it was terrible it was during the recession and i bought a building that i thought was great and it was thirty-five thousand square feet and um we buy b and c we don't buy the big fancy warehouses because yeah then we're competing with institutions at low cap rates. Yeah. Our cap rates are generally in the eight or nine percent range. Okay, well, that's good. Unlevered. unlevered. Still today? Still today? Or I won't buy anything if it's not an eight. Wow. Won't even go near it. Well, that's good. Which is Very why good. I have to talk to five hundred people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this property, I thought it was great, but it just sat vacant because there were no tenants. It was a bad time in the market. People. Yeah. I call up uh, a manufacturer down the street and say, hey, how would you like to move? And his, his answer would be, don't you know we're in a recession? We're trying to stay alive in business. We can't move. That would put us under. So when times get bad, when you're in the single tenant net lease business, yeah, there's a very big risk of vacancy. Yeah. So I ended up selling it and we took a loss. It was uh, roughly a $2 million investment. And unfortunately, I had to tell 30-something people that they just lost somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% of their money. Wow. It was a big mistake. Yeah. Um, now I'll give you the opposite side. We have a place here called the Fulton Market, which is the old uh, meat packers area right near the city. It's on the west side of the city. It's yeah. the hottest industrial market for office and residential in the United States. Wow. It's uh, the headquarters now of McDonald's and of uh, Mondelez who makes Oreo cookies and it's where Google put their Chicago uh, people. It, it's it's an amazing place. Yeah. Took off and started happening in 2009. So back up to 2007, uh, someone in my office said, I've got this building I want you to look at. I went and looked at it. It's a C building, 31,000 feet. Mm-hmm. There were literally condoms, used condoms on the sidewalk in front of the building mm-hmm. there were hypodermic needles oh nice literally at the front entrance right yeah. by the front door wow. as we were going in and there were hookers like lurking around wow. and there was actually a drug deal the third time i went there to look at it to check it out i saw these two guys like on the corner hoodies and <laughs> doing a drug deal and i said Wow, I love the building. I love the size. I love the location because it's near downtown. Something yeah. good's going to happen here. And we bought it and we made a lease during the recession. Um, 
in 2009 with the U.S. Postal Service, and it's a net lease, and they're paying us they, they were paying us six dollars a foot for a sorting center, a warehouse and a sorting wow. center. Yeah, um, to serve in city uh, people who whose homes were in a place called Wicker Park. Yeah, very very nice neighborhood in Chicago, and we had them for ten years, and during that ten years, the Fulton Market developed around us. So I had this industrial building next to all these apartment buildings and biotech and scientific uh, research places. Yeah. And the post office came back to me and said, we want to renew our lease. And I said, well, the rent's gone up from $6 to $18. It's tripled. And they wow. said, okay, just get us an appraisal that says that it's $18 and we'll sign up. I said, what? <laughs> By the way, I don't know who, who will listen to this, but the post office is not a good tenant. Oh, it's not. <laughs> I thought it would be a great, they would pay for sure. <laughs> well, they pay late. They oh, pay they late. <laughs> They're very disorganized. Oh, wow. If you go to a FedEx facility, it's like going into the future. When you go to a U.S. Postal <laughs> Service facility, yeah, it's true. like going back to the, to the 1800s. <laughs> that's and, and that's how they manage their business. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're grateful to have them. <laughs> They're not bad people. No. They just don't manage that business well. Yeah. But it was pretty funny that they said, yeah, just get us an appraisal. So I got them an appraisal saying $19.35. And they said, okay. And they wow. signed a new lease and the, the rent tripled. That's a home run. That's a deal where uh, the investors yeah. are making a 60% annual IRR. Yeah. Year after year after year, because the value went from what we bought it at three million, it's probably worth twelve million. Yeah. And on that one, we did have a mortgage. Okay. Yeah. So there's a leveraged return where I drive by the building. Whenever someone comes to Chicago to visit, it's really close to where all the fancy restaurants are. I drive them yeah. by and they say, I've never seen so many postal trucks parked in the street in my life. It's a yeah. mess. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's a financial uh like a like a gold mine. Yeah, yeah. So there are good deals, and then there's just average ones where you buy a building in the suburbs, and usually they go up three to five percent a year in value. And we structure these leases to be three and five year leases for the most part. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. So that these are pretty short leases, aren't they? That's right. our risk. Our risk is that they leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that sounds interesting. Yeah, you're uh, the, the the postal. Uh, your, your postal tenant, your building with a postal tenant. I mean, to me, yeah, when I look at that, if I was all cash, and I know you said that you you do have a mortgage on that one. And to me, I'm looking, I would be looking at that if I was all cash. I'd say, well, this is, I need to take some of that equity, put that equity to work a little bit more. So I would probably, maybe I wouldn't go like full tilt and then go like 80 or 70%, um, you know, uh, loan to value. But I would I would try to get some of that equity out and work for me. Uh, yeah. When you have a solid tenant and you have good rate and you didn't pay too much for the property in the first place. So the risk is not, uh, it's pretty minimal. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it is pretty minimal, especially for this location. Mm -hmm. But um, I have a promise to my investors, which is yeah. I will not put more than 30% debt on anything. So 30% is great for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, Almost sure. like no mortgage. Yeah, yeah. But it does I increase the IRR and it is it is leveraged. but. It's the opposite of what the 70, 30, we are mm -hmm. on the opposite of that. It's we're, we're the 30 debt, 70 equity. 
And again, it's because um, I just got very burned in a very bad recession. And yeah. I, I'm like, I'm like years ago when, when we were first kids, there were still people around who had what was called a depression mentality from the 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. And I have what's called a recession mentality from the 2008. Yeah. People like that. Millennials are also very affected by that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I live my life financially like I'm about to hit another recession or something worse in case it happens because I don't have the stomach for Mm -hmm. the risk that other people do. Yeah. It's great. It's great. I tell people you'd be crazy to invest all your money with me. You should go to someone who takes more risk than I do. But if you want to have certain safe money that's that's where we're at yeah and well that's one of the reasons when we're working with investors too like we don't we want to make if they don't have too much money we just say that no don't 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 invest with us or don't buy don't buy that house because we don't want we don't want to feel we don't want to be responsible for you know that you put all your savings in this house and now the tenant leaves or there's some problem that we didn't see that nobody saw and then you know so we want to make sure you have a cushion and all that. I, I have another hard and fast rule, which is I tell my investors that they should not invest any more than 1% of their net worth with me in any one deal. Okay. Well, luckily, they, luckily they're very wealthy, so it's not a problem. Yeah. And usually, <laughs> even if they're not wealthy, let's they have to be accredited. So they yeah. have to at least have a million dollar net worth. Yeah. But if someone says, okay, I'll put in 25,000, I now know that they have a $2.5 million net worth. Yeah, yeah. It's like a signal of, oh yeah, 1%, 25,000. 1%, <laughs> 250. Someone who's got a $100 million net worth can put a million dollars into a deal with me and I'll feel yeah. comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, Joel, we're about to wrap up. Uh, if uh, people want to reach out to you, they found a great industrial single tenant building in their neighborhood uh, and they say, hey, you know, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, I'm going to call Joel. Where can they reach out to you? Or maybe some accredited investors that want to invest with you. Well, and, and even uh, a little bit different, I'm a, I'm a mentor to about 60 people. Okay. And all of those 60 people uh, are extremely successful and don't make too many decisions that are major decisions without calling me and discussing them. Okay. Sounds so good. anybody who wants in, any kind of information on investing from a guy who's been doing it for 40 years mm-hmm. with uh, depression mentality, by the way, uh, <laughs> super careful. Um, our uh, website is BritProperties.com, B-R-I-T with one T, properties.com, okay. which is named after one of our uh, property managers who we loved, who, who moved on and now is very successful in his own business, okay. Brad. And it stands for Brad really is terrific. all right well thank thank you joel it was a pleasure speaking with you Uh, again uh you know uh, make sure you like and subscribe and uh because every week we're doing interviews with great people that are great investors that have a lot of experience and that's going to really uh increase your investment and your future so make sure you follow up follow us up and then see you next week 
Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martell. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.